Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 213. That is 213. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sineski. Hello. Hello there, listener, viewer. Welcome back. Patron. We oh. still have Jana and Lucy with us. Hey, and Lucy's. Corey, but it doesn't count. Lucy's sitting in his chair. You can actually see him in the camera. He's a good boy. Yes, yes. It's, it's very nice having a frolicking cat running around. It's pretty great. He, I think he likes it. He likes going new places. Seems fine. He loves being around people. He's like the most outgoing cat. He likes being in a chair like a human. Yeah, he really does. He's a good boy. I have a blanket here for him, but he he's too excited. He's too excited. He'd rather be on the chair. Um, I have switched to a Coors Light Tall's boy. I've got a Stellar Trois. Fair enough. I have an empty green tea latte. I've got a a cinnamon dolce latte that I'll be drinking on the way home. Fair enough. Um, before we dig into topics, I think the first one's you. I yes, want to briefly touch on our Patreon page. Patreon, if you are not familiar with it, is a uh, direct content creator support mechanism for content consumers like you to support content producers like us. We have one of these bad boys. It's over at patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. On this page, you will find two open-ended levels of support that include little swag items, access to our Discord access to us personally for adding podcast topics as well as just having a chat head on over to patreon.com forward slash carbitrage so i do have the first topic but i can't see it yet because oh oh you're you're using the uh yeah i decided to update the uh here it is i would like to talk about the gm wuling hong kong mini ev macaroon that's why I need. Isn't a, a macaroon a nut? <clears throat> it is. It's also apparently an EV. That launches the Wuling Hongguang Mini EV Macaroon. Huh. Yes, it is a. So tell me about the uh, WHGMEVM. The. I'm just gonna say the whole name. So the Wuling Hongguang Mini EV Macaroon is uh, GM's uh, new mini EV that they launched in China for 36,000 uh, yen, I guess. Or no, yeah. 30, is, no, is, that, is that a lot of money? 36,000 mile warranty, actually, is what it says. Jana, if you wanted to look at this adorable oh gosh, pink that's the EV. That's perfect pink. Uh, it's pretty great. That is the perfect shade of pink. It's really small. <laughs> it's a little bit taller than the Smart uh, EQ42, which is there. It's a little bit taller than the Smart, basically, for you to have some idea. Um, same specs largely for size and dimensions as the smart, uh, top speed of 62 miles per hour, um, 27 horsepower, 63 pound feet of torque. That's an impressive top speed for 27 horsepower. Um, 106 mile range and, um, a MSRP starting at $5,740 fully maxed out price. $6,655. $6,655. I would much rather have this than two Changli Namekas. I would much rather have this than actually any Tesla. Ouch. Not really. No, I, I would because <laughs> you know how I like tiny cars. Mm-hmm. And like, I will, to me, a Renault Twingo has more value to me as a person than like a Bentley Turbo R yeah. would have. I would take a this over this a, a Tesla. Would be yeah. difficult to this use me on I these roads. This reminds me. Slide in a topic in between the next one. It's important. Okay, um, but I thought, Jana, does this get your uh, approval? It does, especially with that pink. Like I don't care how the car functions or whatnot. It just that 
shade of pink is what sells it's a it really to good me. pink actually i'm not gonna lie um it's also surprisingly large 114 inches long so its length is about actually about the length of the fiat 500 it's well, it's a 2 plus 2, so it pretty yeah. much has to be. Yeah, so it fits in the wheelbase of, like, a 90s Accord. Um, it is 58 inches wide, which is about, well, about Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> Not like the Tucker the car, but like Tucker it, it, the patron. It is narrow, so you think about the fact that, like, um, 58 inches would be it's one, it's 1,400 Luc- millimeters. Lucifer's intrigued. He's very intrigued by that, by that arc lighter. Um, but it's, I think it's just a good-sized car. It's got a good wheelbase. I, I, it's just a really good car. I think this it looks like would a be K car. perfect for America to compete against like a Fiat 500. What's the range? 106 miles. It's right in the nuts of the 500. So if it had twice the power and a top speed of somewhere in the 80 range, because, like, let's be honest, an eventual top speed of 62 is kind of a hazard. So looking at 62 is exactly in the nuts 100 kilometers per hour. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a, like, electronically limited. It has 27 horsepower. Yeah, but it's also electronically. It it also has 63 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, but the 500E, the first gen, has has 111 horsepower. Mm, I think you're right. It might be a little bit slow. I still want it. I'm not discrediting the vehicle at all. I'm just saying for the United States market. I, maybe if it had a little bit more power. It needs a little bit more power. A little bit more power. For like Japan, perfect. China, China perfect. I no problem. I Big city environments. want this here. Bring back car to go. Use these. That would be perfect for there car to go. go. Yes. I Stay love it. Stay in the city. Jana, what would you like to... Yeah, I, I added a blank topic just so we could... Okay, so... Um... I spend a lot of my extra time on TikTok. Um, Yikes. And I found a, there's this uh, user called Mario Lee Zach or whatever. And he posts daily Twingo videos. Oh, yes. Where the Twingos just gently bump into things. He's got a video where the whole video is just him gently bumping his Twingo into things. (laughs) He does these every day. (laughs) He does a new one every day. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. Because Janice sent that to me with no context. And it's like, he's got music in the background and everything. And his Twingo going like full chat. And then he, let's see here. Just the sound of a happy twingo. But then they just. Oh, he's just mowing down the brush. <laughs> the, the boops. The, the tiniest boop is the so, best part. I love it. I. That bumper is very well made. Yeah. It, and it's somehow made its way to American TikTok. So there's so many people that have no idea what a twingo is. What a twingo is. <laughs> And so they're like, I need this tiny car. Dude, and I really need a Twingo for the They're like, this tiny it. red oh, car God, yeah. makes, makes my day. And I'm like, Twingo, Twingo, Twingo. I, I really need a Twingo. <laughs> Damn it. Well, you could have one, too. They're old <laughs> enough. Yeah, they are. I know. You could buy one. It's The one I really want is it starts in 1997. So it's next year. Yeah, it does. It starts next year. Actually, yeah. I will probably have enough money and savings to be able to buy a Twingo. 
Bippity boop. I did, this isn't on the topics or whatever, but the the Avon Time that was for sale in Vancouver. Yes. yes. There was oh, one God. that was for sale in Vancouver. It was like $30,000. How is that possible? Because they're 25 year. Or so, 20, sorry, 20 year. They're 15. They're 15? Mm-hmm. So you could have had an Avon Time there for years. Yeah. If you're Canadian. I have Canadian friends, but like that, I feel like it's too much of an imposition for me to ask for them to like buy it, register it, and then drive it down to the motorplex. Um, No. For them, it might be. Plus, I have to really trust them because they would own this vehicle that I'm paying cash for. What about Tyson? He's a good guy. Is he Canadian? He yes. Is. He's from He's British literally Columbia. Canadian. He, that's why I call him Canadian Does Tyson. Does he still have dual citizenship? <laughs> I yes. think so. He's a Canadian citizen. We need to have a chat because he, I think his, he'd be into that Subaru kind of thing. His Subaru is from Canada. That's why it's so clean because it's from, it's from Vancouver. Right, but like, I understand. Can Uh-oh. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> Where'd he go to? You can hear his Lucy. wayward meow. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. We're on pause for a second while we uh, retrieve the cat. <laughs> this is the greatest episode ever. Buddy. Just just exploring. He meowed when he got lost, too, which is the cutest part. I don't know how to get back. (laughs) He's going right back. (laughs) What's the funny doing? She's going to get some belly scratches. I love how he announced his... Anyway, I I would love to give an Avon time before I can like legally have one here, even if it was like a year prior. That wouldn't be too bad. I think you should totally get one and just like park it here. Because it wouldn't have to leave here ever. No, it literally wouldn't. You just have it here. I'll just have Ontario plates on it. You, you, like, it, you don't register. It's only legal if you register it. And no, so it, it would have to be registered in Canada. Well, yeah, I know, but it'd only be it'd be illegal if you tried to register it here. Right. Yeah, it would be. But if it's just like your here. Canadian friend's car. Right. It's like when you see um, people with like first generation Yaris's, <sighs> like they're from Mexico. Like they bought the car in Mexico and moved here. Yeah. But it's still got Mexican Durango plates on it. I I should really look into this because when you sent me that and I had seen it separately too, but I'm just like, hey, that's a little bit, little bit too much. It was a but little bit. It wasn't that bad. Cause, I mean, ten grand for like something. It was a nice example. It was a really good one at a dealer. So I have to deal with like, whenever I buy a car at a dealer, I always add like an extra like ten to twenty percent for value, just because. I like, don't. I remove that value. Well, I mean, because dealers suck. So, well, I mean, like value, like to the like dealer value, quote unquote. I, I just ex- expect it to be extra 10 to 20% because it's the dealer. Well, I'm, I'm in that position, too, where I've imported cars, and I know how cheap it is to do it. And, like, I have a person that's willing to bring one in, but, like, it has to be legal. Yeah. So, yeah. and, like, it's going to be hard to find even an 01. So it's going to be an 02 for me, which means it is still many years off that as an adorable kitty. He's being a good boy. He's a good boy. He, he really likes being held. Oh, <laughs> this is like the best video version we're going to ever have. Anyway, neither here nor there. I'll get on to my actual topic. Uh, so we were talking about how Subaru finally fixed the EJ after like 30 years. Mm. Remember how uh, there's a new turbocharged four-cylinder on the block? Yes. Yeah, it turns out uh, they're regressing with that engine because they just had to stop sale the uh, Boxster and the Cayman because they had a defective batch of connecting rods. Oh, my God. So uh, Porsches were pulling WRXs. And uh, they were just scattering all over the all over the road. Where do you go? Oh, he's over there. Jack, can you just keep an eye on him? Yeah, I'm trying. Because now to. He, he's discovered that there's a whole world down there. 
Uh-oh. He's going to probably try to go down there. No, he's just laying right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's just splitted. Um, but yeah, uh, so there's there's that. So every Turbo Flat 4, except for, I guess, the EJ now, ironically, had to switch spots. <laughs> uh, it's garbage. The EJ is the most reliable Boxer 4. Turbo. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I would just say Boxer 4. Yeah. Think of a more reliable Boxer 4 right now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't kept tabs on the FA or the FB. It's bad. Okay. Right. It's still bad. So, and, yeah, this... Uh, Whenever Subaru launches... Oh, what? Oh, sorry, I'm wrong. Hmm. They recalled the flat six. Oh, this took the wind out of my sail. Oh. Well, I mean, it's still a super EJ. It's probably still more reliable. Apparently, but like, wow. Because it's also Volkswagen timing chain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are Vario Cam, I'm sure, still. So, you know, it's got like 2.7T carryover. So, parts they're, in b- it. they're both going to need their timing components replaced at 120,000 miles. But I would take <clears> the Subaru timing belt repair that's like designed oh, yeah. to be repaired versus like the we could barely make the flat six do four liters so, engine like, this is my thing that's like subaru like i know they're unreliable they're not that great however subaru knows that too and they design their cars to be serviced still and they're the only brand that still does that true like everything is I easy worked to, on a subaru everything is right there so except for the spark plugs uh yeah but that's you can't really do anything about that drop the engine out yeah well i mean they give you they they actually have a very very like exact TSB on how to do it like down to brand of tool to do, use. Do you have to have a really tiny hand? No, use a spark. Use if I remember correctly, I think it's a snap-on spark plug magnetic spark plug socket. Pardon. Wow. You use a their blue point, like one inch. The um, extension length extension, would be the biggest like thing. Like, uh, one of the wobble uh, okay. extensions. He's sure. like, that's like the blue point, like one inch or something, or the two inch. Like, they tell you the exact part number <laughs> to buy from the Snap-on guy. And then you use any six inch ex- extension, and you can just get it right in. Okay. And it, so, like, you can do it. Like, if you have the correct tools, you can do. So, it's like a six series V8, where you have to know the exact combination of exactly. U joints and socket And it's like down, they give you, like, down to brand. So, like, they're like, oh, okay. yeah. So, it's like, oh, yeah, the Harbor Freight one doesn't fit. Does a modern Subaru, if you go to a dealer right now, does it come with, in the owner's manual, an actual, like, fluid service schedule that you're supposed to follow? As of 2015, yes, it did. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, and they uh, don't go really overboard on their oil changes. They say, I think they say 5,000 miles. That's, that's pretty good. Like five or seven or something. Um, but also, like, they're... Engines are designed to be easily removed. It's four bolts on the bell oh, housing. Oh, yeah, it's so far forward. But, I mean, the bell housing, they have four bolts. Every Each of those four bolts are easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Two mount, two bolts for the mounts, and then you can get it out. Uh, you can do the timing belt without removing the engine or without having to, like, do any weird hoisting or anything. It's just there. You have, like, about a fist and a half of length to, like, go in front of the engine to, like, grab things. Weird sentence. Well, I mean, because, like, you know, you go like that, like, one... About one fist is... I would have said one Big Mac or whatever, but yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, well, I mean... I'm an American. Because, like, if you're, you know, grabbing a tool... You're one making, eighth of an alligator. You're making a fist when you grab a tool, so... Well, yeah, that's this my... Would, this would not fit. Angry. Um, well, that's, that's a long boy. <laughs> but they put, like, all the, the, all the accessories go on top of the engine. So the air conditioning, alternator, power steering pump, they're all on top of the engine. Well, nine more, because it's electronic power steering these days, but... Like, they're old-school pumps. So they put them all on top of the engine. They even made sure that they didn't, like, get anything in the way. Sometimes there's, like, a cool hose that sucks to get to from the intake manifold. But, I mean, 
I'll so take it's a, different than Porsche, where they just kind of like they make engineered it, as, it in a computer and they somehow assembled it. They make it. it <clears throat> Porsche will make it as difficult as possible in every way. Yeah. So just for the people that are actually listening, this is for the four-liter Boxster GTS and Cayman GT4 really GTS. Dumb. It only affects 190 cars, but this I was reading this. It is exactly what happens to the early M96 cars. Like this isn't a one-time defect. This is why you have to count the overrevs on a used Porsche. Because the connecting rod bolts are backing out. Because they didn't torque them enough. Because they never have. That's the biggest issue on a Porsche flat six water-cooled engine. So is you have is, to make sure your connecting rod bolts don't fall out. This is why I give Subaru credit once again. Is like I know Subaru sucks. Their bolts but, don't fall out. And they actively try to make things better. Like Where they're, they're regressing here. They're going yeah, back like to Porsche, the early Porsche, Porsche doesn't give a shit about you. Like They literally don't care. That you're buying their cars, and all they care about is profit. Yeah. Whereas like Subaru's like, oh dude, we totally we totally bunged those head gaskets in 2000, so let's make the updated part number retroactive to the engines where a part number doesn't technically fit, but, but it will swap it. You can turn off all the driver assist in a Porsche, and you cannot do that on a Subaru. You can. You just have to do it every time. It doesn't count. I hated that legacy so much. Yeah, anyway. but you you didn't know to turn them all off. I did. I did it every time. It took me five minutes when I started the engine every time to go into the infotainment system and shut everything off. And then I had like eight warning lights on the dash, but at least it didn't try to like jerk the, me out of my lane. I like the eight warning lights. I'm sorry. I, I like complex start He's sequences. He's still like a Subaru salesman. Oh. No, I'm not. I'm not. Because I still hate them as a brand, as like what they've turned into. But giving them credit where it's due, a they're pretty eyesight. No, I'm not getting into this. I'd say a. a Mid two thousand Subaru because they didn't have any technology back then. It was a perfect. If it's got like car. all superseded parts on the mechanical bits, maybe. Well, they they do at this point. Well, yeah, that's true. That's like if you buy a Subaru with one hundred seventy six thousand miles on it, you know it's good because everything's broken by then. <laughs> yeah, they're all gone or yeah. they're way too much money. Yeah. So um, speaking of Japanese cars again, I want to talk about the Datsun five ten. Because they finally, some a manufacturer, I don't know why this hadn't happened before, but nobody had taken the highest trim level Datsun 510, which was a Nissan Bluebird Triple S Coupe. Uh, nobody had ever taken one and actually restored it perfectly. Hmm. And finally, Toyota's done that for Nissan. Because Nissan didn't do Wait, that. Wait, Toyota did Toyota this? Toyota did that. <laughs> <laughs> Not Nissan. Toyota. <clears throat> um, oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm okay. very confused. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this right now. What Toyota is Nissan going to respond with? <laughs> probably nothing because they have no money. They're going to do like a 2000 GT and they're going to do it really badly? <laughs> no, they're going to probably do like a 2002 Sentra because all the parts, or a, to- a 2002 Camry because nothing's broken, all the parts are They're not going to do like available. a Toyo pet? No, they're going to do like a modern Camry because that's all they can afford to restore right now. Um... <laughs> So, I'm. I just think of a bus company when I hear Bluebird. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And ironically, it's School Bus Yellow. So, what this is apparently done mm-hmm. is this is done at the Restore Pit at the History Garage at Toyota's MegaWeb Museum. There's a lot of interesting words in that sentence. Which part do you want me to start with? None. Uh, the Restore. Basically, Toyota's a museum, and they have a repair shop with like a glass window so tourists can watch people. Watch them restore the cars. That's okay. cool. And that, and they were restoring this. Um, Did anyone give a thought to like, hey, that's not a Toyota? <laughs> so, 
Did somebody just get really confused or not put on their glasses that day when they went to buy their next restoration I'm, project? I'm really confused as to why. Um, I imagine that Toyota is probably just doing like an expansion of like, look how great all of Japanese cars were in this era. But how like, bad were Toyotas in this year? Where they picked they were a really, Nissan? Well, no. I mean, that's the thing is they have. There you go. It actually makes sense now. So at their restoration. Um, oh, they have a Z back there. Yeah, they've got a Z. They've got Cosmo. They've got oh, okay. Celica. So they're actually <clears throat> doing um, all of the historic Japanese cars to show like just how great Japanese motor history is. Because frankly, Toyota doesn't have any domestic competitors anymore. Because Nissan competed themselves into a hole. Yeah, and they don't have GR. Yeah, and. Nissan, well, they have Nismo, but, I mean, that doesn't you count. can only make so much performance on a Juke. I mean, if the, the, the 400Z or whatever they call it, maybe that'll rekindle something. Well, I mean, the other thing is, like, just, like, as a brand, <clears throat> Nissan can't hold a candle. They're a competitor to Mitsubishi, not a competitor oh. to Toyota. Yeah. Like that, And Honda's not going to hold a candle to them. Mazda, maybe, in, like, 10 years, but not right now. Yeah, you can thank the uh, Avant time for Nissan. Yeah, well, no, it's more than that. It's Carlos been, Ghosn? Yeah. <laughs> I it, really their issue was um they were trying to sell to fleet markets for the last few years instead of redesigning cars. Oh, you mean like the rogue. Yeah. It was pretty bad. So that's what they've been doing they've been designing fleet vehicles. not really the rogue really is like the Ultima. Rogues have to be selling better than Ultimas. They are. But this is the thing is the Ultima like the, it's more ins- new... it's more insulting than the rogue. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a sedan, but like I, have, I hate it just as much. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why it's more insulting. Did you see? Because the... the rogue you expect to hate. <clears throat> because it's really bad. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, an Ultima is just such a generic pile of vanilla. Yeah, it's re- like it has the ability to not be terrible. Did you see that, uh, Chris Forsberg? The his, 2000? His, his, no, his new pro drift car for the season is an Ultima. Yeah, it's a 2,000 horsepower Ultima. No, it's not 2,000 yet. It's 1,300. Oh, the okay. engine theoretically has the ability, and I think they will turn up the screws. But, but I mean, that's also not rear-wheel drive. So it is. I, no, I mean, in the normal Ultima. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, the actual car sucks, but, like, that is a sequential rear-wheel drive VR38. Yeah. And VR41. Thank, and thank God NASCAR is going to help Supra sales so much because the oh Supra NASCAR is just the same thing as a real Supra, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Like... <laughs> cool. You're you're I backed myself into a sad hole. Yeah, your your one off drift <laughs> card does not matter for car sales. But um, it does have four seats, which is cool. That's pretty cool. But um I'm just happy to see that Toyota's actually like using their This photo is good. important for context. Yeah, this really helps make a lot more sense of everything. Um and I also love that isn't what? this connection just so, like, prehistoric? Isn't it great having to watch photos load like that? Yeah, like it's great. the 1990s? They're also huge <laughs> photos. Um, but also, I think another thing that's really important here is that they did the PS510 Triple S Bluebird because nobody ever gives that car the time of day that it really deserves. Because this car, like, that was the... It came out about the same time as the 2002 and the Fiat, uh, Julia, and everything, like that era. And it was just as good of a sports scoop and actually completely dominated SCCA racing. And, like, Alfa Romeo had to cheat to even <laughs> beat them. Um, 
But the triple S is the one that like we didn't even get in America. Like you had you could buy the triple S engine and stuff from Datsun stores as like a copo sort of thing. Mm. But you couldn't legally get it in America. Like it wasn't supposed to be here. And nobody's ever really restored a triple S the way you should. And so it's really cool to see that Toyota's actually doing that regardless of what brand it is it's so. a completely different bluebird in yellow than i'm used to seeing i know right and it is also bluebird yellow <laughs> which is hilarious but yeah the 510 was always called the bluebird fun fact i did not know that the mm-hmm. 510 is cool but yeah they've just been so stratospheric i haven't paid as much attention to them as i probably ought to yeah they've been unaffordable for a long time <laughs> <laughs> unaffordable is a good way of putting it yeah. it's like yeah well mm, nah they're gone <laughs> yeah they're, they're, that ship sailed that ship that sailed ship before sailed. the e30 the yeah. ship sailed when we were in high school yeah <laughs> I remember, when nobody knew i remember i knew because i wanted well, one but i couldn't justifiably drive a 510 as a, as a daily driver when i was in high school when i was in high school i didn't think the e30 was a great looking car now i do I knew it was a great looking car. Well, I didn't think so. I just didn't think the E30 would blow up the way it did. Because I'm like, well, the, did anyone? I expected the E46 to blow up first. Well, it's because that was a like that was our car of the time. Yeah, it was, and then like that's like kids now, I'm, like the F80 and the G80. They're like, Ugh. I'm I'm totally willing to admit that I'm eating shit on sleeping on the E30. We slept on a lot of stuff, but we also got in on a few things which are important. Yes, I got it in the Celica Super and then sold before it. And the <laughs> AW11 and sold before it. I'm really good at selling before things really hit their stride. I'm not like good at when selling things at all. When they've like when they've hit like right before they hit market, I go, you know what? This is going off. I can break now. even right now. Let's do it. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> anyway. Um, remember about a month ago we talked about the Conan. The Kona Inn, yes. Conan, yeah, the yeah, Conan the, the Barbarian. Yes. How it's ruining the end line because yeah. it's a CUV with an auto. Yeah. Uh, well, N's actually dead for sure now because the Veloster N is getting a, a DCT? DCT. Yeah. Oh, my God, lame. So, N, uh, we enjoyed you for the two years where you were good, but now it's time for you to go out behind the shed with the ST brand, and then we'll just shoot yeah. you in the face like old Yeller. That's pretty much it. The ST and then also Nismo. Well, Nismo was never manual only. ST and N were. Yeah, but Nismo, like, a Nismo GTR meant something. Yeah. And now, like, the Nismo Juke, I guess, technically does. Well, but, that like, could be... the Nismo, like, Sentra doesn't mean, it means absolutely nothing at all. That could even be, like, AMG or uh, S. He's on the couch. Oh, it's with Corey. Okay. Just make sure. <laughs> Constantly just, like, meat sweats coming in when I'm like, where's the cat? <clears throat> My, my nightmare is he's like inside the Lamborghini clawing at the floor. Oh, no. I can't afford that. <laughs> I don't think any of us can. Um, but. I forgot what I was going with this, but. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're totally dead. Quit. Quit it. Yeah, that's it. Offer a Veloster with a DCT again. I don't care, but don't make it the N. I'm glad that it's at least a standard manual and you have to option a DCT, but you know all the fuckboys are going to do this. It's the N S T. S line, M, M, AMG, AMG, uh, Nismo, Nismo. I will say that TRD they make automatics. They've always made automatics, but they're quite good still. Well, yeah, TRD never. I saw like, TRD Camry. Us this. I saw TRD Camry like a new one two days ago. Yes. Oh yeah. They've only made one TRD Camry. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> and I was super hyped. 
about it. It was super cool. You need one of those dash cams that has one that faces inside the car, and then anytime this happens, I was you can just publish very the video. excited, so and I really wanted to scream about it in the car, but Jan was like half awake, oh, so I was wow. like very, very quiet about it. I just I went. Like, <laughs> it's true. I mean, Put it on cruise control just so you can shuffle. Cool I do because I want to tell like, somebody. I, I want to tell somebody about. We cool covered the DRD camera. You we were know there why for it's it. Cool. You gave us an opinion, but I still want to tell somebody. Oh my god! It's super cool. I love DRD cameras. It's like probably my favorite Toyota right now. Toyota has made such a comeback, and we knew they would. That you can't stay bad forever. No, but you like can't, they had such a malaise. They really did. But I think, and the thing is, is Toyota's proven that they you can make a comeback. Without having to spend a ton of money, yeah. without having to redesign anything. It's a simple solution. And even like, as much as I hate to say it, like they made a comeback with automatic transmissions being predominantly their transmission. Because even though the automatic transmission totally sucks and everybody just lampoons them on their automatic transmissions being in everything, and that's the biggest letdown. It's actually literally what every reviewer said is, the TRD carry is great. And this automatic transmission makes me feel like I'm driving a minivan. The GR Supra is great. It really should have a manual yeah. option. But this is the thing is they've proven that you can <clears throat> make a comeback while still keeping your bean counters happy. Yep, because TRD never promised manuals. Yeah, they never promised that. Neither did GR. Yeah. But they just happened to like the Yaris, yeah. which incidentally, that needs to come to this country so I can buy one. Yeah, it's mm. not going to. I know. But every time I see anything on that car, I'm like, I need one of those really so actually. Badly. I did do the math on how much it would cost to import a TRD Yaris for a shower display title. It would be okay. a, it's had to be a lot. And it is significantly cheaper to buy a brand new Mitsubishi Mirage manual, base model, <laughs> export it to Finland, get the R4 uh, conversion <clears throat> done on it, and then have a all-wheel drive turbocharged Mirage rally car. That's registered in the United States. That is not a Yaris GR. But it's cheaper and performs better. And and makes more cooler or three cylinder angry noises. Yeah, yeah, the Mirage does make good noises. Yeah, it's a cool sounding engine. But like I, again, I just I want a Yaris GR. I if that too. came here, I would go finance one. It'd just be a bad decision. It'd be, it'd be a but it would be new, yeah. so we would cool. Both be, we'd both buy them brand new. Oh. I would totally buy one. That's just one of those things where you go to the dealer and you're like, I just want to look at it, and then you come home with one. Yeah, uh, it's it, there are cars where I said. I would consider buying it. I've said that about the GT86. I can't afford one. Out. I would still buy one. I, w I said I would consider buying a GT86, and I decided against it, so it didn't quite do it for me. It's not special enough. I would consider buying the XRS, the, the, Corolla, the hot Corolla right now. I would consider buying a Corolla TRD. I would buy, no questions, a Yaris TRD. The or GR. Oh, well, you woke him up. Oh. I almost <laughs> got to see a sleepy Lucy. Uh, anyway, I'm going to take this off the screen because I'm just angry now because well, the Gloucester N and the i3N were good. Well, how about this? Do you, uh, SSR, you know the wheel company? Yeah, I have SSR comp C's in my garage. So SSR was really famous back in the 60s for being one of the first Japanese, actually one of the first alloy wheel manufacturers, period. They That's made, true. Wheels were not always made out of alloys. Yes. Um, <clears> and <throat> they were actually really well known for making the SSR Mark II and the Mark III. The Mark I was like a flat dish, whereas just an alloy dish. The mm. Mark II was a four-spoke. The Mark III was an eight-spoke. Very iconic for classic Japanese tuners. They re-released the Mark II and the Mark III, uh, and they sold out in five hours. 
What was their like stock? Like how many orders did they get? I don't know, but they did like a full run. Oh, okay. Like ah. they did like a real run <clears throat> of them. Uh, in like different sizes and stuff too. Yeah, like 4x100 so and 4x114.3. Um, the most aggressive spec was the 14 by 10 and a half minus 32. Uh, <laughs> That's like a, a formula. Oh, sorry, that was last year. But this year, the re-release, they did the 14 by 12 minus 51. Oh. It is almost square. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Mm, that they is were sixteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars a set. They had a run of four hundred wheels, and they sold out in five hours. All size options. Yeah. Wow. Every size option of for their new their twenty twenty one Royce. And that's for a fourteen by twelve <laughs> minus fifty one. Hey wheel. man, people with Formula cars that have Avon tires collecting dust, they need their wheels. People that have what the five ten, and they're trying to modify it. I guess. I was gonna. Say, I just kicked the cushion. I really thought I was kicking the cat. I was. I felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- uh, hopefully SSR will make more of these wheels. I want them to redo all of their series, but like maybe like re-release them in like the number of years that they initially took to release these different models. That'd be kind of cool. So like the '90s SSRs that were super popular with M3s, like do those in 20 years. That'd be pretty cool, actually. I'd be a big fan of that. They'll, they'll probably end up doing that. Uh, there is a, a brand called like, Con Racing or something. They do one piece, like kind of like Roto style, like not great, but like they make exact designs of classic Japanese wheels. Um, but they they aren't the three piece thing. They aren't nearly the same. But I mean, if they get the same look. They're just not. Uh, they're not in the original. They're not like these where they're they're not the so real cool. Good. Yeah, these are way cooler. So <laughs> big fan of them. And big, I'm really big. happy that I'm not the only person that's a big fan of them. Well, I mean, those kind of go hand in hand with an entire scene or style. Yeah, you can't. In you, Japan. you literally can't make a Bosozoku or a Shakotan style car without a 14 by 12 wheel. Like that's like the, one of the main tenets of it. Very aggressive, exaggerated uh, flares. Yeah, it's like it's like a 15 inch wheel on an EF Civic. Like you cannot run anything bigger than a 15 or a 16. With manual steering, that sounds like a great time. It actually is, because the car doesn't weigh anything. Fair. Yeah. And then you put an Integra steering wheel, it's like an inch wider, and it really drives just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're moving, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't actually tell. All right, so. Uh, next up, okay. Uh, last year, we talked about Ford and the F-150. Yes. And how 80-month loans were now getting so popular. Okay. I want to talk about Nissan. You know all those cars that they can't sell to uh, the rental agencies anymore? Yeah. Well, they're now pushing dealers to shove 84-month loans on these bad boys down to subprime people that can't afford them so they can make more money and so they can sell cars that won't last that long to people that shouldn't be buying them. So, yeah, there's, uh, they're, they're incentivizing dealers um, to, to shove people into these super long loans. See, my thing with, like... Mitsubishi doing this is Mitsubishi makes a ten thousand dollar car mm-hmm. with the eighty four month. Yeah, your, your payment would be like sixty dollars. Yeah, like there's a reason for that because they're going for the bottom of the market. Uh-huh. Nissan's trying to encroach on Mitsubishi's market share with normal cars that are not that cheap. Yeah, no, these are in the thirties. So this is just for like millennials. This, this is, is stupid. This, this is bad. 
This is really dumb. So it's um, bad. This is gross, and I'm not a fan of this at all. And even Subprime Ryan is like <laughs> a, a fan of like cheap cars for the masses. So this what, I'm, is not what I'm thinking it. is going to happen is 2021 is going to be the year where the Chrysler 200 and the Dodge Journey go away. owners migrate to Rogues and Ultimas. So I we're, we're going to have to I'm see. I'm already seeing that, to be honest. So Ben has yeah. had two Ultimas drive into houses in his neighborhood. And... <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's already happening. It's already happening. And the... The guy at the Capitol. Yeah, because, like, so he sent us a picture of the Ultima, the second Ultima that crashed into a house, and then um, I thought it was a joke, him referencing the one that drove, drove into the Capitol... <laughs> Because he just like texted us about it, Same and we day. didn't see the picture, and so I was like, "Oh, you're you're joking about the one from the Capitol." And then I looked closer at his photo, and it was in his neighborhood. And I was like, "On the same day, okay." It's cool. It's sad when predictions become clairvoyance. Yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, everyone, watch one. out for rogues and Ultimas this year. Just stay away from them. That was the first one on March 25th. Oh my god. <laughs> also the police showed up in a <laughs> Nissan Armada. And then Ben says another one hit. I said, would they show up in this time? A Rolls Royce calling in. <laughs> and then I, later that day, where did I where did I find it? I had a photo of the one from the cap I said do it for Dale. <laughs> uh, Number three. Uh, oh my god. It's too cliche these days. That's <laughs> it's a shitty thing that he kind of adopted that. Oh, that's so funny. But anyway, it's just like, dude, no. That's that's too long. That's... Even a sixty month loan is like you really need to reevaluate the thing you're buying because you can't afford it. And that I, was with see... me and the Tesla. Like I did a sixty month loan on that for the first time ever. And I'm like I really can't afford this car, Mm-mm. but I bought it anyway. And like with the, this is again my defensive Mitsubishi with doing this is like they do that sixty dollar like, payment. You do it for a, the cheapest possible payment, not because like everybody can afford a ten thousand dollar car. Like, it's not that you're hard. buying down to what you can afford, not you're buying up to try to afford it. Yeah, like Mitsubishi, oh, like kind of what they're doing is like. Yeah, you know what? We we know we have a ten thousand dollar car. A lot of people that are buying ten thousand dollar cars don't have credit. Whereas like Nissan's like just going. Like, These are for people who have normal credit. This that is are just like a normally priced a, car. This is a predatory loan. Whereas Mitsubishi 100%. is like trying to help people mm-hmm. get out of like the credit hole. They've like yeah. the, and the, also the have a good reliable car yeah. while they're doing it. Like that is a way to help people out of poverty. Is to own a Mitsubishi. Is you have a reliable car. It gets you a trillion miles per gallon, fits everything in the world into it. You can and fix now it with a, a hammer. Has a new better face. Has a new better face, yes. And you can fix it with. Like, it's just that's a, a really good car for people, whereas this is not. You know how companies have like the ultimate driving machine, Zoom Zoom. Yeah. Nissan's now Nissan Subprime. Yeah. Predatory lending. Anyway, I don't want to talk. About I'm not that. a fan of Nissan at all. I'm not. They don't make any good products. No, they aren't. Um, however, I do want to talk about a good product sold. Uh, to a good person on Bring a Trailer. Good people help good If you can click, people. go back oh, up the, to the thing yep, right yep, there. That's what I was click looking that for. Button. Um, this is actually my listing on Bring a Trailer, not my article on Japanese. I was going to say, these two enough. sites have some relation to you. So what this is, I had a listing. It was a 76 Toyota Celica liftback. It was nearly uh, completely stock, with the exception of some Mark II Celica Super Wheels. Um, 
He's a good boy. He likes to lay in a big C. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Yeah, you can keep petting him. He'll love it. But it's sold for $62,000. Oh, this is the car you were telling me about. Yeah, $62,000 for a 76 Celica. It's like a RA27 or something. But, um, yeah, it, it's mostly stock. But the wife bought it for her husband as a gift because her husband had one. They loved it. And they had to get rid of it because they didn't have room for like a third car and they had kids like they, oh, have, they had like a whole kids they had a whole fleet of kids yeah so they a got rid of the car of kids but anyway so they, made, they had some inheritance and the wife spent some of the inheritance getting her husband his dream car back so what did, okay uh, i'm guessing this wasn't cheap then sixty two thousand dollars okay is probably double uh what was previously and like the sold for it's it? an interesting looking car but i mean it's for the malaise it's actually a really good looking car Th- this is objectively probably one of the greatest cars of the 1970s i think that it is the one of the best looking toyotas this is the car that i have historically used to get um muscle car fans into japanese cars because it looks like a 67 mustang well, it's got similar proportions, but it also has like a little bit of 2000 GT line going to it, but it yeah. still has the crash bumpers. So. Yeah. But they yeah. pulled it off really well. Yeah. No, they, they did put crash bumpers quite well on this. Uh, the Japanese uh, bumpers look a trillion times better, and it becomes one of the best looking cars in the world. By the way, it's Lucy bumping the microphone. Yes. But, uh, oh yeah, this was by far the most expensive Celica ever sold of any generation on Bring a Trailer. How many miles are on it? Um... I mean, Over 50,000. It looks 50, factory for 52,000 miles shown. Um, it's a five-digit odometer, so true miles are really unknown. Oh, but um, it's one of those things where, I mean, it is... Oh, he's pressing so hard. He loves that. That's his favorite. But it's like, it's the world's cleanest 20R engine. <laughs> yeah, no, he loves it. Yeah, he's very happy. I think I, like, startled a burp out of him or something. He gets really into the ear like, thing. Yeah. He, he does that with burps and toots. It's really so 20R, is it a manual? Yeah. Okay, good. Of course it's a manual. Well, I, I, they offered right. a three-speed auto in this, I assume. Yeah, but you're not going to get $62,000 You shouldn't get $62,000 for a manual one of these. Well, you used to be able to get nice 2000 GTs for that. Yeah. Okay. And? Yeah, that's all I got. You used to be able to get an E30 Look for $5,000. Yeah. at those vacuum lines. Yeah, it's like everything is perfect. Wow. That car Dual is, circuit master? Look at the technology. More importantly, the interior is the same color. As the one they used to have? No, th- it's all the same. Go look at the interior photos. Those interior colors are more... They're very close to the same color. Because I'm going to tell you that dashboard changes to like a beige. That becomes tan. These go orange. That goes straight brown. That just cracks in half. Like, <laughs> it goes to 100 different colors as soon as you get this interior into the sun for any period of time. I was going to so say, it's that, already got a bunch of different colors, but it's no, not that, bad. But that bunch of different colors for 1970s Japanese interior is, like, what it was supposed to look like. So it was, it was garaged new. then. Yeah. Wow, this thing's in great shape. Yeah, well, no, look at the, um, look at the fact that you have all your uh, yellow zinc there that's still the same color. Yep. It's really wild. Uh, just a perfect car. It's dead reliable. Oh, five-speed even. Nice. Yes. Yeah. 
It's got the uh, it's got an eight track in it and everything. It's a great car. It's a very modern interior for a '76. Yeah. It's a really good looking car. Like this is. I like... didn't know the 20R was a 2.2. Yeah. I thought it was a two liter, and nope. the 22R was a. 2.2. No, because they were Toyota does their numbers by the generation of the engine. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So. They have some jumps, like, because it's like they went from, like, 15R to 20R and stuff like that. But I think what that is is they have the, they'll have the generations are prototype phase that, like, don't actually get released. Okay. Where they'll be, like, t- like, a 17R probably existed as a prototype where they had, like, a, a weird electronic carburetor or something. And just never made <laughs> the, it. The thermal reactor. Yeah. It's like they'll have some, like, weird, like, some small little changes in prototype phase. And by the time they actually release it, it'll be, like, a 22. Yeah. So... It's pretty I cool. I think it's... Superb example, I believe, is maybe an understatement. This is the perfect example of what a U.S. market Celica should be. Because this is the car that really made the Toyota, like the Japanese sports car, a thing in America. Yeah. Specifically the liftback, because it gave you the muscle car looks yeah, I was while say having Japanese end. reliability. Yeah, I mean, you look at that. You, you, it's, oh, it's a Mustang. If you took all the Celica badges off, something like, yeah, it's like an AMC or something. No, that's yeah, a could, Toyota. Could yeah. be a Javelin, yeah. Yeah, like, it could be like a third-gen Javelin, yeah. But no, it's a, it's a, literally a Toyota. It's awesome. I love this car. It's, it's always been one of my favorite Japanese cars of all time. But, so uh, goals, find a woman that is this man's wife. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> be this man. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't think I've ever made a good enough impression on somebody where something like that would happen to me. Which is yeah, totally I mean, good for him. Like, that's, that's I like told the Ryan cool that story. would never happen. Yeah, it's not, not <laughs> happening for me. I also told Jan, like, I don't really have that high of expectations. You're going to have to spend $60,000 on a car for me. Like, you, you buy me a $6,000 Subaru GL, I'll be thrilled. That runs. Yeah, like a running, driving With a digital GL. dash. I saw XT on the way here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought it was a prelude. I'm like, <laughs> there's this like, big, dumb bro truck with stupid wheels in the way. I'm like looking out the back window of the Fiat. I'm like, get the fuck out of the way. I want to see this prelude. Well, Lucy was probably in the back window being No, cute. Lucy was in the floorboard because he likes being in the back window, but he does not like long drives. He gets tired oh. of them. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't like going on highways hmm. too fast. No idea. Weird. But... Uh, All right. Yeah, then the Subaru passed everybody, and it was wonderful. And it was in decent condition. It was, like, yeah. still pretty clapped. Was it, it was an XT6 like, or an XT? It was XT because it was running. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> XT6, you just can't find any of the parts for it. But uh, It yeah. was running. It was pretty cool. Presumably. X- maybe XT it was, non-turbo. Maybe so, it was LS swapped. So it was a front-wheel drive, like, XT non-turbo. Oh, was, no. That is, is, what is it? I haven't seen one of those on the road driving personally for possibly ever no i've seen one but i i don't it was one of those things where it was like the svx first time i saw one of those I'm like, what the hell is that <laughs> and like that was a once and done too in like the 90s yeah but and then i saw it i walked by it you know derelict on a driveway but the xt i saw one once and i had to google it for a long time <laughs> to figure out what i saw i was like because it had like turbo written on the side yeah like, it's a i was like car. googling like turbo coupe 80s and like i was going through you know 2000s you google every every single dodge daytona <clears throat> And yeah, like even photos of these things are not popular. No, they're hard to find. Like, so I eventually found it. And yeah, like I saw a driving XT Turbo at some point in my life, but it's definitely a once. That's What's another that? very cool car for LS swap. What was that other Subaru you mentioned? Because my brain's not working. 
because Cody had several of those. SVXs. The SVXs, yeah. yeah. Cody inherited an SVX, and he went, I kind of like this. And then he had, like, two or three more because people have, kept on like being, like... Them, yeah. Well, you, you need saying, Bart's cars. But no, you need to find a Forester for the manual. Well, no, what you do is, even if you don't do that, because like if you just want to make a quick, like a really profitable quick flip, is you get a, a Subaru SVX that has transmission problems, and then you go find any Outback in the junkyard, like any 2000s, like 90s Outback. You pull the automatic transmission out of the Outback. You put it in the SVX, because the Outbacks actually had the most durable uh automatic transmission that Subaru ever made. Mm-hmm. You put that in, and then it is like $300 for the transmission. You put it in the car. You buy the car for 500 bucks, 700 bucks, 800 bucks all in. You sell it for eight grand. Hmm. It's yeah. a very pro- – whereas like manual swapping actually costs money. You can just, well, yeah, but it's better because it's manual. Yeah, yeah, but it's also not profitable. So Cody would just put I mean, in outback transmissions, and he would just make tons of money. He did, he did one manual swap, and – He's like, I'm not doing that again. It, <laughs> it also didn't work it wasn't as worth nicely it. as the. Yeah, he he was running like into issues. He had to like make custom oh, lines and stuff. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even wiring because like Subaru <laughs> uses the same computer for everything. It's kind of like what's cool about Subaru is like Subaru is the Lego kit Hondas want to be. I remember when Mighty Carmons did Super Gramps one though, or just Gramps, yeah. and like they had to go standalone because there was no computer that would interface with an EZ series flat six. Yeah, and a manual. Yes, that was the biggest issue. Like if you have a four cylinder, so it, but if you're running easy. if you're running stock, you're fine. It's not a big deal. But if you're running like right. big turbos and stuff, no, you're I wasn't even to... talking about that. I'm talking about a six cylinder and a manual. Oh, that, that might that might be different. It. But I mean, like with the four cylinders yeah. and like that era of six cylinder, it wasn't a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it, you can do them really easily. Just throwing up outback transmission and I don't know, eventually. I, I don't want to. Eventually, find yourself like a rolled over STI or something. Put a six-speed in it. <laughs> Put a whole STI everything into it. And no, no, no. Because the six-cylinder noise is cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to lie. Subaru six-cylinders are Flat reliable. Flat sixes are cool. Well, the, yeah, you're right. Yep. The Subaru historically has not had issues with their six-cylinders. Every time I see an Outback with a 3.6R badge, I'm like, why? I mean, like, so cool. yes, but, like, it's always somebody driving super slow. They're mm-hmm. super old. I don't know why they bought the 3.6, but I'm like, I'm so it's, glad these engines exist. It's notable. Exist. If you drive a, a, the 2.5 versus a 3.6, mm-hmm. like, you go, yeah, I'm buying the 3.6. I I could. It's a great engine, the easy 36. And, like, the amount of engineering they had to go through just to make that happen mm-hmm. in that form factor, it's nuts. It's really cool. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. very cool engine. Like, I, it's super flat sixes. I love, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, if I could just. For simplicity, just do a four-cylinder manual. Just throw it all in. It all just bolts in. I just want to do like an easy 36 swapped Corvair or something. That'd be cool, actually. That'd be very cool. Or what was the last air-cooled Porsche? Flat six from the uh, 9 the nine nine three. But that was even was that still Metzger though? Yep. That's how you do yep. a Metzger. You could, do that. but those are pricey and like eh. Uh, I guess it's good. I'd rather hop up the Corvair engine. Lucy was yeah. offended you didn't go potty. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> poor boy. Didn't get to see you pee. He gets very upset. He takes as a personal affront. Hey, buddy. You all right? You're going to survive? Dude, his paws are he like... Gro- you can, like... You, I just heard him purring in the microphone. One second. Here. Oh. Here. Oh. 
Did you hear him purr in the microphone? <laughs> no, I cranked that. See, of course I heard it. Perfect. Yeah, he likes to purr. He oh, purrs constantly. Good boy. Okay. Well, let's uh, end the episode so we can go pet my cat. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye, bye. guys. Bye.